Hello everybody, Chet Czar here again for a new episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope the new year is treating you right so far. We had a crazy week of rain in LA. That was pretty cool. Unfortunately, I was still kind of sick through most of it, so that sucked, but <clears throat> I'm getting better. Um, I'm guessing another week of this flu probably it's not really uh, i'm not fully sick but i just have no energy and uh feel kind of beat up a little bit of a cough and stuff so other than that i'm just getting ready for the conjoined show this weekend which well actually by the time you're hearing it it will have been last weekend this is friday i'm recording this the show is tomorrow on saturday at least the opening is Conjoined versus Grotesque, which we spoke about last week on um, the interview with Jeremy Wagner. And the show's looking amazing. The artwork's all in and looks like it's going to be the best one yet. I know I say that every year, but the show's going to be really incredible. Um, I'm working on a new Conjoined Heart, actually. I'm just about done with it. I've been posting that on my Patreon progress shots where it's like a a skinned version of the conjoined heart. So you can see the muscle and blood and gristle. It's kind of cool. And I'm also creating a canvas clay and a hand embellished canvas clay for the show of the image we chose this year for the, um, uh, the, the, the promotional ads online. And that's peekaboo, which is an old painting I did. I think from maybe 2005, 2006, 2007. Um, and uh, so anyway, I'm getting that done and I have to head out to the gallery this evening, drop my stuff off. That's pretty much all that's going on. I was thinking about how cool this is though, this, this little art scene we have, you know, <clears throat> It's Capro Gallery, as well as, you know, a lot of galleries that I know of, um, and artists as well, the artists that show there. You know, we're not getting rich off these shows. We're not making a ton of money on these shows. Sometimes we're not making any money. Sometimes we're making, we're losing money. But the cool thing about it is that you know, at least in my experience in the galleries I work with, and particularly the Copro Gallery, it's it's really all about the art. And it's so cool to be, you know, 51 years old and still be doing things for the love, you know. Um, it's it's very much, you know, doing doing this conjoined show at Copro or any show at Copro really is like, it's like, hey, we're getting together or put, pulling our resources and putting a show together, you know, it's, it's, it's not like there's this unlimited budget and, you know, and we could just get whatever we want for it. It's very much like all hands on deck. We want to make an amazing show. And that's, that's really the, um, the top priority with it. You know, of course they ha we have to try and make them make money because that's just the reality of um, life is you got to try and make money with things that you do like that. Uh, I don't know. It just struck me today how cool it was that that that's the prime motivation 
for these shows is just to make a great art show and to make something a great live event, you know, um, and still be doing it after all these years. Hopefully one day there will be an unlimited amount of money or at least a large amount of money to put on shows like this. But you know what? If there's not, it doesn't matter because we still are going to do it because we're into it. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, this, uh, the guest this week is the incredible David Goff, David Van Goff. It's pronounced cough, spelled G-O-U-G-H. And um, uh, I, I had a great conversation with him. He's really easy to talk to, really great artist, and a really cool, smart guy. And uh, it went pretty long this this week. Uh, I think we went almost, you know, an hour 40. Cause, and I could have kept going another hour easily. Um because, you know, he's an interesting guy. So I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, let me see if there's any new subscribers. I don't think there is. Uh, uh, sorry, I should have done. I, you know, I got every every episode. I got to fuck something up. I swear. But it's just really because I'm getting used to this whole doing it myself thing. So, still, <clears throat> but I'm 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 into it. It's going well. I don't mind doing it alone. It's getting much easier. Um, we do actually. We have a new subscriber. I don't know how to pronounce this. Zay One X. Zay One X. Thank you so much for your support. Um, anybody else wants to support? Just go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And um, not only are you supporting the movement and the show, you're also uh, 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 getting your pod, getting the podcast a day early and other little bonus features like screen grabs from interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, more stuff as as I settle into this this position of doing the show alone. Uh, I'm really, I've got a really busy month in January with, um, the conjoined versus grotesque show. And then I have a, a show I'm curating at the golden state tattoo convention at the end of the month. And then after that, <clears throat> things slow down a bit for me so I can maybe, um, put some time into, um, adding new features to the, to the, this Patreon and my own Patreon. At least that's the idea. And I got to get my book done and uh, always, always tons to do. Anyway, that's it. Let's get right into the David Van Gogh interview and I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Here it goes. What's up, man? Hey, Chet. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm really good. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, oh, yeah. I really appreciate it. Been wanting to have you on for a while, and we got – what happened last time? We oh, both yeah, got, I got sick, kind of, and then the time uh, before that, it got canceled too, right? Like Yeah, I got kind of sidetracked because I got pulled in on the whole kind of um, immigration thing. So um, it was just to renew my green card. Oh, uh, okay. It's as serious as being deported yet. Okay. Um, so how, how long are you good for now? Um, you know, it usually is like 10 year increments. I think oh. I, this one 
was around about 12 because of some kind of uh, statues or something. But um, yeah, I should be good for another 10 years. I thought about going for the whole citizenship thing and then... And then Trump um, got elected. <laughs> <laughs> he had yeah, some second thoughts. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Uh, we're not quite there yet. You know, it's like, I, I, something about color or something? I don't know. Maybe it's in my Irish heritage. They say something about black Irish or something. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Yeah, let's yeah. get into yeah. that because uh, you've got you've got quite an accent. I love your accent. It's very cool. Oh, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. are you from? You're from Ireland? Like originally well, born originally, in Ireland? Uh, or? I, I, my, my dad is Irish, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of moved to Liverpool, I want to say around about when I was three, because um, my mother's a scouser, um, as they call it back in Liverpool. So that's you have a Liver, Liverpool app, accent? It's, it's lapsed. I, I mean, when I call home, everybody thinks I sound fucking Californian. You know? <laughs> really? Um, I, you know, I, I, it's everyone kind of gives me rib for it, but then it's like five minutes in. You know, and I'm already talking like a beetle, you know. Right. Uh, and I'm <laughs> even more popular than Jesus, you know, John Lennon line. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, um, it, usually when I'm on the phone, um, it, it kind of lapses back into sort of scouse, if only because it's easier to kind of, like, communicate with people like my dad, right. who's, who's really strong. In fact, for years, I know that my wife struggled to understand my dad, but I kind of said, you know, I've struggled in my entire lifetime, so <laughs> don't worry too much about it. Yeah, yeah. No. My 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 uh, my mom's side of the family's Irish, Irish and Scottish. McBride, yeah, well, McBride yeah. was her, her maiden name. I can see that in you, though. You know, Chet. Yeah, I got. I got well, it's it's yeah. weird. I got Mexican on my dad's side, and and uh, Irish scotch on my mom's side mexican german on my dad's side irish scotch on my mother's side it's because it's an odd name chair is that i mean is that where is that it's what not is, that, that, I, I, that is my dad had a good friend like his best friend was named chet that's where it came from it was oh, not, okay. and it's not even chester it's like chet like a like a nickname is my name that's how it's, it's on the birth certificate which is a super weird yeah, I, I think we were kind of joking how both of our names are really quite cool. Right. <laughs> but then I was kind of reminded that, like, my name, if you search it on Google, it comes up as being a, a big American gospel singer. Really? And, and a midget race car driver. I don't know. Can you sing midget now? Is it dwarf? I don't know. Yeah. You, so, I mean. I think they're a little, little person is what they two call them like, Two extremes. Uh, <laughs> I'm somewhere sandwiched between the middle of that, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, my, my heritage is uh, largely brought up in Liverpool um, in the 70s because I think we're around about the same age, right? We're around about... Oh, I'm I think you said... 51. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm 51, that's right. So oh, wow. what, 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 uh, when were you born? What year? I mean, 67? 67, yeah, what, what? March 67. Oh, okay, I'm uh, uh, no, November 67. Oh, so you're... you're uh, you're a whippersnapper to me, then. You're a youngster. That's right. <laughs> Several months, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was brought up in the seventies in in Liverpool. So um, God, I, I, I want. I I I wonder what. I, I have no idea what the seventies in Liverpool was like. I wonder if it was like beat growing up in Pedro in the seventies. I wonder how similar things were. You know what I mean? Yeah. I well. I I mean, from my memory, it, it was pretty derelict. I mean, we'd. Uh, Liverpool, as you know, had been like this big shipping town. Right. 
And, you know, you'd had the Cunard lines and, you know, the Titanic left there. Oh, wow. We know what fucking happened to that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so it was pretty, um, you know, the the shipyards were kind of um, definitely in dereliction. Um, You know, there wasn't as many ships being built at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And where I was brought up was an area called Toxteth, which, you know, at the time was um, a, a very kind of like, um, mixed community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, you know, Irish community there. We had Afro um, Caribbean people. We yeah. had Asians. So it was it was a pretty poverty stricken sort of area. But it was that very kind of mixed with that very kind of um, almost um, Dickensian Victorian serried rows of old houses. Right. So. Um, you know, it was pretty much an underclass, but, um, you know, we kind of got by. So there wasn't really a lot going on in the sense of, you know, things to stimulate me as an artist. Hmm. Uh, I, I think where I kind of got off on things was um, we, we'd kind of, the 60s had happened and, you know, it was very monochrome and gritty Um but we had one of the best galleries, I remember, one of the best art galleries in Liverpool called the Walker Art Gallery. And then across over there on the estuary on the Wirral was Port Sunlight Gallery. So I was really fortunate, you know, just before the pubs opened usually, my granddad would kind of like grab me for a day out and take me over there and we'd oh, go cool. see. Um, you know, it had like an extraordinary collection of uh, of the romanticists, you know, like uh, Rossetti's, original Rossetti's, wow. I remember. Um, Frederick Yeams, um, Holman Hunt, and there'd been this large, huge collection of those kind of works. So I, I, my interest was definitely peaked by art, uh, but in terms of like the horror side of things, mm-hmm. um, I do remember. I do remember one of the things that really kind of like scared the living shite out of me was um, <laughs> was um, I was going to see Pinocchio for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that scene where the little boy changes into a jackass? Yeah. I, I mean, it was like to my kind of like five-year-old self. Yeah, it's freaky. It, it is, was like one of the most kind of like re- resonating, horrific um, scenes, you know, where he's kind of like laughing and then he turns into this screeching eeyore. Yeah, and, yeah, it's disturbing. And kind of like become this malformed hoof and then you've got the shadow of him on the wall. So... You know, I, I definitely felt like innately there was something there that, you know, this this kind of like other dark um, narrative that was really appealing to me. And it possibly came from being a Catholic as well, you know. Oh, yeah, we're all, yeah. We're all fucked up in that, in that yeah. regard. We're all really, you know, because from the moment you're kind of like aware, you're told that, you know, you were born sick. Yeah. You know. Broken. I, and then the imagery that kind of like surrounds all that, you know. Yeah, we uh, were just talking about that. How how dark art Catholicism is. Like, you know, if you you look at the the uh, depictions of Christ and on the cross, I mean, that's that's morbid. You know, it's, it's cool. I yeah. like it. It's cool. Like, you know, from like an outside because I'm not like I was really indoctrinated into that whole scene, but at, from an outside perspective, it's like I dig it. I dig the imagery. You know, it's dark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, the hanging of, like, a, a, a butcher's meat on a, on a mm-hmm. slab. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, particularly if you look at someone like 
Um, I always remember the Matthias Grunewald version of the Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. where he's got like little shards of of uh, of wood sticking out of his skin. Right, you know, right. It's extraordinarily. Well, the first time you see that, you're kind of confronted with that. Um, you know, just as even a child, you know, you kind right. of you're, you're confronted with the full full horror of the ex- existential human condition. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, already as a kid, you know, you're already given all of this this raw meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, pun not intended. Um, so that definitely kind of interplayed into some of the uh, the things. And then and then the other thing I remember as a kid. Um, we, we, there was this, um, Des Skin was like this kind of editor that came out with the, um, Hammer Horror adaptations mm-hmm. uh, in magazine form. Uh, oh, cool. And, yeah. And, 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 and I remember like the first time I saw those, it was, whoa, mm-hmm. fucking hell. You know, um, there was this artist called Brian Lewis who did these kind of like comic book adaptation covers of, you know. Um, all of the Kess of Frankenstein, Satanic Rites of Dracula, The Mummy's Tomb. Mm-hmm. And then the artists that usually kind of um, really I, I kind of liked a lot was um, John Bolton, who did a lot of the kind of strip adaptations of these comics. So, mm. you know, uh, this kind of stuff really kind of went into the soup of, of, uh, of, of collectively, you know, appealing to me on some dark level um I, I also remember i had an uncle who'd been in prison mm-hmm. uh, uncle tony um he'd been in prison it's funny he'd been in prison because um he'd gone on an armed robbery stint oh shit <laughs> the, police, the police had called him um cinderella and the reason they'd done that <laughs> was what had happened was he'd been in the navy and um, he used because in the navy they used to write their names on the insides of all of their labels of their clothes uh-huh. and stuff. Obviously, so they didn't get mixed up and stuff. And he'd had this habit of still doing that after he'd left. And um, when he had gone on this armed robbery, his shoe had fallen off. Uh-huh. And when the police came to the door and knocked on the door, they said, uh, "Are you? Are you?" Are you uh, are you are you Tony Riddick? And he said, Yeah, what's the matter? He goes, We got you down bang to rights. Not me, mate. And he goes, Yeah, it is you, fucking Cinderella. And he had the name of his, <laughs> his on the inside of his shoe. But oh, man. I, brilliant. In his time in prison, um he'd he'd become like uh he'd he you know, because he had all the time on his hands, he'd become this pr- prodigious reader. Mm-hmm. Um and he used to come around and visit my dad. And um, he'd always bring a satchel full of books. And I guess he'd seen that I was like this weird kid. And one of the things that he did was he brought these books. And I was so fucking intimidated by him mm. that he gave me these books. And he'd go, I'm going to test you on that next week. So he brings things like the Pan Book of Horror Stories. Oh, you know, nice. <laughs> yeah. And he'd have these great covers yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, books by Dennis Wheatley. And I always remember this book, um, The Devil and All of His Works. And it had like that Witch's Sabbath portion mm-hmm. of it on the front by Goya. Mm. Oh, yeah. It really kind of like fucking grabbed my attention. Yeah. Um, what age and, is this, are you thinking? I, I want to say, you know, I was round about, this is round about, I want to be about eight or nine. Okay. And that happened so formative years yeah very formative years and then and then really the thing that really kind of like convinced me I, there was nothing else i wanted to do with my life 
was um, I had a, a teacher, an art teacher, when I was around about 10, I think it was, and she'd see me scrolling on a sketchbook or on the cover or something. I was always scrolling. Mm-hmm. And um, she'd seen what I was doing, and she went over to a shelf and brought over this big, voluminous tome and opened it up at a page of uh, Hieronymus Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights. Ah, yes, yes. So many of us have been influenced by that. Oh, and it, but the thing is, you know, Chet, it wasn't even in color. It was black and white. It was that? Wow. It was, it was like 1950s. Right. Vibes, like, you know, the pages are vellum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Just open your finger on the fucking edge. Because yep. the pages are so thick. Yeah. And, and, but it, even though it was black and white, it just opened the world of color and possibility to me, you know, because I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And it was like, fuck, this is terrifying. It's like, I want to be in there. Right. I know. I know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. too. I always had the same um, feeling about that, you know, yeah. like I wanted to go there, which I can't really explain why that is. Yeah. Because, you know, I, most I, people I think it'd be, you know. Repelled. Yeah, repelled. Someone. But it's like it was. Uh, it's held, held, held like a fascination, like this real. Yeah, I, I think, and it's like it's kind of like the you know this microcosm of macrocosm imagery where you know everything is diminutive. Mm-hmm. You know, all the characters and figures are kind of like placed in almost like nascent childhood form. Right. But you know, it's it, it's it's like on large yes, our, our fears are kind of expounded in these extraordinary. Um, visceral images that like appeal to a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've got that wonderful image of the bear, so this crow sitting on a throne, and and you know, to a kid, I mean, like um, anything to do with shit, you know, is a, I mean, you, you, it just kind of appeals to our lowest self. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. By thoughts, but there you have like this bubble, this kind of like. Um, scatological bubble coming out the arse of this bird right and it's like a, a human upside down in it yeah. you know it's fascinating <laughs> imagery just to get lost in yeah yeah it definitely you know it definitely had a way of um of sending me off on a on a sort of exploration that i've never really gotten over quite honestly it's mm. it's you know it, it definitely um informed me on a level whereby i was like okay this is what i want to do from now on i hasten to add though that's not what I began doing because when I left, actually, you know, I went to school, I went to college mm-hmm. um, to do art and it was hugely disappointing because um, I went to the Liverpool Art Institute. Um, just a quick sort of story about that was um, the most interesting thing about that was um, John Lennon had gone there. Oh, wow. And there was this... Um, there was this apocryphal story that Hitler had also gone there when he was an art student at 21. <laughs> Whoa. He, he, yeah, he had a brother in Liverpool. I think his name was Alois Hitler. And he'd gone to stay with him. I think it was Old Hall Street in Liverpool. I'm not entirely sure. But he'd gone to stay with him when he was an art student. He'd done it to, I believe, um, to dodge the draft, as mm. it was then. So he'd gone there and he obviously, you know, he had like these ambitions to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And um, so he'd actually applied at that, or at least the story was that he'd applied at the same art school that I ended up at. And I always remember that one of the interesting things was on the wall where there was ex-alumni, there was this on one side of the hall, there was this drawing by John Lennon. 
And then on the other side was this really pathetic watercolor of like a cottage uh-huh. said to be by Hitler. You know? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's so funny because it kind of like really um, sent me off. I'm thinking, oh, look, you know, war and peace. All right. What a trip. Like, um, that's kind of amazing. Really appealed to me. But, but the school itself, um, it was at that time when, you know, um, it's a shame really because I wanted to be like, you know, I was into Giga and Dolly and mm-hmm. all the Antarctic Kunst artists like Otto Dix mm-hmm. and George Gross and all those kind of artists and obviously Bosch and all that and, and um, Bruegel. And um, and they really wanted to kind of like, there was there was three different schools of art for, thought at the time. It was either the kitchen sink artist like Walter Sickert Mm-hmm. Um, there was an artist called David Bomberg. I remember that they were really big on who was like this abstract kind of um, landscape artist. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, David Hockney, who I had right. no fucking interest in whatsoever. So it became pretty clear quite quickly that I wasn't going to start, you know, last the distance. Right. So I, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, um, I was ejected oh. after second term. Um you know, and I was lazy. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't at that time. I kind of, if did, if it didn't kind of hold my interest. Um, well, it's I, not what you wanted to do. It's not what I wanted yeah. to do. But uh, I, so I kind of, you know, my parents were pretty pissed about it. <laughs> um, so I ended up going into graphic design. Okay. Think, which was, you know, utterly soul destroying. Yeah, um, right. Um, you know, if, if you want to talk about, um, an exercise in creative futility, then um, definitely graphic design is it because you know your portfolio has like is so deadline driven that it has an expiration date. Right, right, that's true. So it, it, you know everything you do is all dependent on trying to sell everything now and then. Right. You know by next week it's stale. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I never plus, thought of that. Plus, plus it's inhabited by um, by a lot of little Patrick Bateman figures. You know the you know the, the sort of American Psycho. Uh huh. That lovely scene in American Psycho where um, he's uh, he's 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 somebody he's he's friends with or he's a colleague has um, a uh, a business card that's Matt Laminate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seething inside. It's it's full of those little things. <laughs> little Matt Laminate, Patrick Bateman stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did that for like fuck twenty years. But the first really, time I, so you made you're making a living doing that. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I hated it. I'll be honest with you. You know, um, the first I actually it, it <laughs> the first one I actually did was a blast because the company I worked for mm. um, should I say them? Yeah, it's gone now. Advertising World. Mm. Um, I I think I was around about eighteen or nineteen. Mm. But it was this big kind of agency that um, had an on. Then all the print shops were kind of on site, oh, so wow. you like it, this was pre-computer, so it was like yeah. kind of hot metal text yep. and you know visuals uh, with markers and um, paste up, yeah. and like, <laughs> real kind of madmen kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So there was a real art form to it at the time, but the company that I was working for ended up going bankrupt because as a little sideline at night, the print shop was m- printing American dollars. Um, no way. 
they are counterfeiting American dollars. Holy shit. Um, so, um, yeah, I, it's kind of funny to think about it because I we had no idea at the time. Um, was it just we, like one guy there that knew how to run the prison? It was about three guys. Um, wow. One guys ended up going to prison. The boss, by the way, got off with it. Have a guess where he was when it all went down. What's, what's what? Have a guess where the boss was when it all went down. Shit. He was in America. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh my god! But it was really easy apparently at that time because I mean yeah. this was the '80s and yeah. um, you know America. I think it was like fifty dollar bills and they didn't have those kind of. Although they had the serial numbers, they didn't have those kind of like. You know now it's all very kind of like sequence threads and yeah. all this. You know to, to kind of get around it using special links, etc. At the time it was really easy, mm-hmm. and I believe what had happened was. The, the printers were so lax that they'd actually left the plates up. Oh my god! Against the wall <laughs> with the dollars, <laughs> and, and and when they'd when they'd offset the print, um, instead of like destroying evidence, they'd thrown it outside in the bins. Oh god, those guys are asking to get caught. <laughs> oh, and somebody, some kind of you know local kid, um, chancing upon one of these sheets. Cut them out, went to a bank, tried to exchange it for British oh pounds, and uh, and and the guy said, "Just one minute." Jump said, "Where the fucking hell did you get that?" And uh, he said, "I just I found it, honest." And uh, and so the rest is history. So, but I mean, that was like my kind of induction into kind of like advertising. So it, right. it really was downhill after that. But I did do, um, I did kind of like. I did do one decent thing, which was when in the nineties I um I I I got into um do you remember CD ROMs? I mm-hmm. got into yeah, yeah. producing animations for CD ROMs. Oh, that's cool. cool. And I actually got to work on um the C D ROM version of Stephen Hawking's brief history of time. Oh wow, that's kinda cool. It's pretty awesome, yeah. It was quite awesome in itself. Because I got to meet him, of course. Oh wow. I actually got to go to Oxford. That's cool. And meet him, um, which was really interesting in itself because, you know, I, I don't know how it was, the technology, because, of course, he's passed away now. But at the time, um, you know, you would see him on television and he'd ask a question, it, his answer would be immediate. Mm-hmm. It was quite an all of awkward silence between asking him a question and him using whatever the kind of equipment was whereby he was able to communicate. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. But it was fascinating nonetheless. It was a real highlight for me. But um, I'm jumping ahead. But by the time, you know, I got to, I think it was 2000, yeah, I was I was pretty burned out and done on the whole advertising thing. And I think that's where I decided, you know, I really – at the at the sort of sagely age of thirty, decided it's time to actually start being an artist. You know? That's when I that's around when I started. Thirty three is when yeah. I, when I did it. So were were you painting for fun while this was going on, or was it like you weren't even messing with that stuff? No, I was. I I, I definitely was kind of you know it's what they call a hobbyist. You know, a Sunday afternoon painter. Yeah. Um, you know, and I definitely tried to keep my hand in. But, I, you know, the other thing I wanted to do, because I'm, I'm really, as an artist, I would call myself a frustrated author because I'm, you know, I'm quite literally in my kind of approach to the way that I do things. You know, I'm far more interested in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can I'm tell with your work. Yeah, and I kind of feel like the work itself 
is just almost an illustrative aid. And, right. and for the time I wanted to be, um, for my truculence, I wanted to be um, a kind of Neil Gaiman um, type figure or, or an Alan Moore type figure whereby mm-hmm. I was writing mm-hmm. largely. And so, you know, because I couldn't any, get anyone to draw my shit, I'd write and draw the comic strips, mm-hmm. but I was sending so, spending so much exponential time on each frame that I was like, you know, really, these are all like individual paintings. Right. I'm like spending so much time, you know. So, um, and I did kind of, um, I, I did dabble. I, I actually did. I worked with a company in in um, in New York called Fantico for a time. Uh, yeah, I, I know them. Yeah, and, and did a couple of things for them. In fact, they, they actually did um, the comic book adaptation of um, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah did the comic book adaptation of that yeah, and uh, they, i remember them from the fangoria days that's right yeah, yeah yeah they used to put out all the cool like horror books and stuff right right so i i was involved with them for a little bit but again you know it was um you know the thing is about comics is is you spend again so much time for so little return right right um so yeah i was definitely painting but it wasn't till until um I want to say 1999, you know, mm. they're kind of like on the cusp of the new millennia where I thought, you know, it's time to stop fucking round. Mm-hmm. It's time to sort of get real and, and do what it is I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, I have my wife to think about that because, um, you know, she, she kind of encouraged me. It wasn't until she sort of said, you know, you should, you, you should really kind of pick this up, um, you know, and, and, and run with it. You know, mm. this thing there that I kind of, she gave me the confidence there for me to say, okay, you know, yeah, I can, I think I can actually do this as, as a, if, if not as a career, but as something that is um, definitely going to fulfill me on a level that, you know, adverts for, I don't know, tin cans or whatever. Right. Um, holiday packages right. isn't, um, you well, know, it's, so it's, that- that's interesting because that's, it's just so similar to my story because it's you know yeah. I started I made the decision um, <clears throat> around 2000 it was right around there and you know I've said this before a million times but my wife was like I I showed her a Mark Ryden Mark Ryden's book the uh, Anima Mundi I think it was called which it was at the time was like oh this is fucking wow. this shit is amazing and and I was and I was like telling her, yeah, I'm kind of interested. I think I'm going to be a painter. And she's, she looks at it. She's like, oh, you could do that. <laughs> you could paint better than that. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> but it was that vote of confidence, yeah. you know, and, and uh, 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 it's, it's, you know, um, can't, can't really state strongly enough how, how important that is, you know, yeah, for I, artists. I think, yeah, I've said it before, <clears throat> you know, the, the art widows in our life, mm-hmm. like the people that kind of like stand behind us. Oh, yeah. They definitely deserve, um, you know, more of the plaudits for being kind of the stoic influence. Absolutely. And as well, you know, the kind of, not just the wellspring. I mean, you know, my wife's beautiful and, you know, she's very kind of like ethereal. Yeah, your wife, I I love your wife. She's so cool. She's super positive. I do too. (laughs) She's she's awesome. Yeah, she's funny. I say, I say, tell everyone her name by the way her name is Lani and um, she she definitely um you know on, on those kind of moments of lapse in um, confidence mm-hmm. she definitely has always been there as kind of a, a strong bearer in reminding me that you know the whole reason why it is I do what I do um, and also giving me that kind of like uh, 
self-belief or the, 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 the sort of bolstered belief mm-hmm. when it hasn't been there, you know. Um, so, you know, yay for those, uh, yes. just the, the women, but the men who stand behind those, all of us who, uh, you know, because we're, a, you know, we're a kind of narcissistic bunch, you know, we're very kind of like, so we can be solipsistic at the worst, navel gazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which of, you know. Stuck in our heads. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times she's had to hear me rant and say the, and, and hear the word bellowing fuck in the studio, <laughs> you know, because there's something that's gone wrong, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Lisa can. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, that, I, that's a fly in the wall conversation. I don't know that I'd want to be involved in. Get all all widows in a room. Oh my have, god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be there. For yeah. that. <laughs> Maybe that's a show. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So okay, you, you did you go? Did you? Uh, you you're an, you paint in oils, right? Yeah, yeah. So did, did you, you know, start like in oils or was was it like, okay, I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to start painting in oils or did you mess around with other mediums or how did that happen? Honestly, I, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. I, I started in acrylics. Me too. And, and I, I, I was enjoying that. I was enjoying the kind of like, because one of the things that I really liked at the beginning was the immediacy of it. I didn't like having to wait. Right. You know, I, I, I can be an impatient bastard at best of times. But particularly when I was younger, I wanted, I liked the immediacy of how quickly it dried, how quickly in effect you could get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved here around about 2005, and of course, you know, we live in California, I realized pretty quickly that the climate, um, and I didn't know it then um, about, um, you know, things that can, you know, um, make oils dry faster, et cetera, right. you know, liquid, et cetera, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I realized that climate wasn't conducive to acrylics. Right. It would dry too fast. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, particularly for things like blends, you know, mm-hmm. where you do like huge expanses of sky. Right. You know, before you know it, you've got these horrible blocky areas. Um, So I I kind of forced myself to learn oils. I kind of like, well, you know, and then I fell in love with it because of that kind of luminescence, Mm -hmm. you know, translucent um, oils. It's it's almost like it's a product. It's it's almost like a seduction that goes on, you know, because you're using um, unguents and, and, um, all these kind of little perfumed liquids. <laughs> yeah, right. And to see the canvas, you almost have to seduce the fucker because it it isn't pliant. In, right. in you know, um, acrylic will you can stick it literally on fucking anything. Yeah, yeah, with, true. With wheels, you 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 know you you you've got to prime the bastard. You've got to warm it up. You right. Know? <laughs> so you almost become like. Um, I, I like the idea of being a classicist old master immediately, you know, that kind of it, appealed to me on that level. Right. Uh, you know, you're using something that um, has been used for, for, for aeons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of forces you in a way to use it, utilize it in a very, um, it, it, it almost be um, honorable to it. I like that. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And, 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 it, and it almost like, uh, not to sound too flowery, but it almost 
creates like a stronger relationship relationship between you and, and the and the piece because yeah. you've prepped it it has to be just so you have to follow these rules to make it work and so it's like the, the piece becomes that much more precious in a way yeah there's this lovely simpatico that happens between you and sometimes it's a fight mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know i mean that's the thing is that like you know the muse can be a very cruel mistress mm-hmm. and i've said this before you know it's it is akin, you know. We talk go back to sort of the whole thing about our kind of art widows. It is almost like a situation where you're involved in this implicit, um, tempestuous affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when it's working, it's it's so passionate. Right. Nothing else. <laughs> when it's not, you're just like ah, my life. Sucks. Yeah, yeah. You're throwing pans and <laughs> yeah. and uh, and uh, you know, kitchen utilities at each other. You know, it's kind of. Um, it's like that, you know, I really enjoy that process of it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've been using oils now, I want to say, since around about 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, you know, I, I, I kind of throw my lotto in and go, fuck, why am I, you know, because it's always a constant process of learning with these things as well. Oh, yeah. it, it doesn't matter how much you get to a stage where you think, oh, I've nailed this. Yeah, <laughs> I know it now. And then you 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 decide to paint something else, right? Uh, you know, um, for instance, I just with this series I'm working on right now, I'm doing a lot of landscape work. Um, you know, and in the past, I, it's been quite easy for me to kind of like use the landscape as a sort of prop in the sense mm-hmm. that it's not. It, it, it's been um, it, it's been a very ephemeral part of the of the actual picture making right almost like um, an afterthought yeah like i need so, something there so i'm going to put a background <laughs> yeah so but the landscape in this series is is very i mean it's where i live i live in a place called julian which is this beautiful and uh, very rural area and and it's so it's become almost almost like a, a personality in itself so i wanted to kind of use that so things like you know trees and bushes and mm-hmm. the way that, um, you know, the soil is and, and leaves and things like that, I, I've suddenly presented themselves with a whole set of prerequisite challenges that I hadn't really thought about until now. And again, it's like relearning to paint again. Right. Well, that's why, that's why it's so fun, though. That's why I think why oils are so are so much fun, because because they're so difficult to do properly that you're always learning and there's always something new to try out. That's why, you know, it's not like you ever get to a point where it's like, I can paint anything effortlessly. There's always going to be that, you know, potential something's not working or I don't know what to do here. I I, I mean, I've been doing it, you know, we've been doing it probably about the same amount of time and you know, that would, you'd think that would be a, a, uh, thank you. You'd think that would be a, a, at that point, we'd be complete masters and be able to paint anything. But no, no, there's always something, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, I think, I, I think, one of the things that um, always kind of fascinates me about what it is that we do is, is that there is always a, a day, always presents something new. It always brings with it. Um, you know, we're, we're never stuck in the monotony. Mm, right. And, you know, one of the things I always remember about having a day job, the whole nine to five dictum thing, was was, was that endless treadmill yeah. of, 
of, of doing the same thing daily. And not, and not getting anywhere and not feeling and, like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. Right. You know, it was that kind of whole cradle to the grave thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was even like that at makeup effects, man. You think yeah, that would be the coolest yeah. job. And it is. It's a great job. But yeah. <clears throat> there's a point where it's like, okay, how many slashed throats can you sculpt? How many old <laughs> men, old age makeups can you sculpt? How many trolls can you sculpt or, you know, angry browed monsters? It's just like, you know, when you do it for 20 years, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is like, yeah, you know. Suddenly there's an angry browed monster staring back at you in the right. mirror. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think the other thing is, is that, you know, I mean, with artists, I, I you know, again, what the lovely thing about being, it's just like that thing Nietzsche said that no artist tolerates reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it, it, so it is kind of like, it has that kind of way of being able to kind of um, set a, a new set of precepts and challenges daily, you know, right. whereby um, life is never ordinary. Right, right. Um, and I love that about it. You, you, you know, know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go on. Go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, my my mom um, used to tell me that my um, that like she everyone on her side of the family, which is the, you know, the Irish Scottish side was did not like uh, authority. It's like my grandfather was a was a, a sailor and he was kind of like this free spirit. He was nuts and everything, but he still was kind of like this free spirit guy. My mom did not like none of that side of the family just did not like taking orders and was uh, very independent in that way. And I think that's really kind of an artist thing as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not wanting to do the nine to five, not, not being satisfied, just following rules and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, there's definitely a side of me, (laughs) which, (laughs) you know, as, as always kind of push back against um, any kind of authoritarian, I mean, it's definitely, you know, a rebellious spirit, though. Yeah. Um, and I think it it's necessitated by the need to try and forge your own path as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think we're led, I, I, artists, I, I mean, you know, we're kind of led by our imaginations. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and you know, as, as William Blake said, you know, I'm, the imagination's not a state. It's human existence itself, hmm. you know. So I think um, we we have this innate need consistently to try and um, satisfy that more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've often said, and you know, I come from a family of convicts, but I've often said that if I wasn't doing this, mm-hmm. it's almost certainly true that I would have ended up in the clink. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think the predisposition for me is is that you know it, it's 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 for me it's a way of of um, of placating some of the darker urges that I have maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, certainly, the genetic predisposition that my family has, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a violent person because I'm not. No, you don't seem like it. Um, but. <laughs> but <laughs> given, given when I'm not, yeah, yeah, you're the yeah. Fuck, give me five minutes to stop my toe, maybe. Um, no, but um, you know, 
I think if, if if when I haven't done this, or when I've been prevented from doing this, I can be quite an irate twat. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Absolutely, you know, by, man. By you know, by that I mean like, I and it's not even a case of you know that thing where you're kind of trying to keep yourself busy. Mm-hmm. It's just that eschatological need to continuously be a creative force. Yeah. Um. Because you know, I, I wonder this sometimes as well. If if it's a, a need to um, escape the realities, you know, mm. and by that, without getting too morbose about, but you know, it's it's like escape the the understanding. You know, we're all going to expire, and that in some way, we want to leave a trace of having been here. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people say that like it's a, art for them is kind of a way of being immortal, you know, uh, having some kind of immortality. But I have to say I've never really felt that way. Like I've always felt like more like for me, it's all about what I'm doing now. It's like about having fun right in the moment and just like right. playing, you know. And it, and it's kind of like the the paintings that that come out of that are just like icing on the cake it's really about the process and right and it's and it's the closest thing i could um um equate it to is is playing as a kid you know when you're a kid all you want to do is play that's right. your main goal in life is play because it's fun and and i feel like painting is exactly that or any kind of creative artistic thing you know it's like it's play playing for adults or creative people i guess you know yeah, there's that very lovely um, story that Picasso would tell where he said that he was around about 70 years of age and he turned to his son Paolo who was drawing something, uh, scrawling something on the floor. And I think his son at the time was around about seven or eight. And he looked at his son forlornly and said, I've spent my entire life trying to do what you're doing. Right. right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a... Total zen, it, 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 it's a Zen thing where you have to like, you know, the Zen thing is like you're born perfect kind of. And, and yeah. once, once you start noticing that things are separate from you, that's when things start fucking up. And then your whole life, you, be, you, you get less and less connected to your true self because you, you start viewing yourself as a separate entity from the world around you. And then you have to go all the way back to childhood and through meditation and, and stuff like that. And you have to get to that point where you realize that you're not separate from everything. And it's like, you have that, you have that child mind again, but with the, the experience of being an adult. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it takes a long time that as well. Um, it, it takes a while to kind of realize that you, you know, that um, you know, when you when you start out, I I know it's very insular and it the world kind of like retreats to the size and format of the page that you're working on. So I remember like doing these very neurotic scrolls mm-hmm. with pen, you know, and it kind of takes a while to kind of break out of that and become looser. Right. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like what you say, that experimental, almost Dionysian spirit mm-hmm. of experimentation where, you know, <clears throat> you're less, it's being less mindful, Chet, isn't it? It's, right. it's, it's encompassing the moment as opposed to the idea. Because, I mean, the most exciting thing for me always is the beginnings, 
the, the actual process of like of 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 the canvas itself is less is is always about more about the um, things like light and hue and trying to get trying to battle the um, the will of 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 trying to accommodate the vision. Yeah, but that's this, the the ditch digging phase. Yeah, which yeah, which is most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The sketching and the idea itself. Right. It's the most seductive, um, extraordinary part of it. You know, it's almost that eureka moment that gets you off. Right, right, yeah, and yeah. That, that's it's trying to hold on to that right to the end, which is all anyway. I mean, I, the thing is about me as well is that, and I wish I could be one of those artists that could just sit down and um, and and just you know, and maybe for the next series I will do that, but. Previously, I, I'm quite, um, like I say, quite literate about it. So it's almost like a, a, an exercise in that anthropology where, like, you know, I have to fucking research and read. Mm. And, you know, there are margins of books filled with, like, endless wanking exposition. <laughs> you know, whereby, like, I'm trying to justify every fucking mark that I'm making. Right. If only because I'm not satisfied at the end, if it doesn't feel like I've, in essence, said something, right, um, that means a shit, and possibly that's because so much of my creative life before I was a painter didn't mean anything at all. It was reduced to the lowest common denominator in, in, of commerce, you know, mm-hmm. um, trying to appeal to the masses right. in some way, um, and it's possibly as a counter again that rebel thing right mm-hmm. it's a counter to that but um I, I would like to be one of those you know one of those artists i like recently who i've been watching is um is uh, is it rf pangorn yeah rf yeah. pangorn yeah he's great yeah. i want to have him on too he's yeah he he's uh I, I really like the way that he's become very um very kind of not almost abstract but very expressive with yeah. his brush and you can see like there's this 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 colossal attempt for him to break his predisposition to be very tight right right yeah 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 i, I like i like that about his work oh I, yeah I, really, I have a couple of his pieces he's great man. yeah there's another guy i really like at the moment um who who's unfortunately he he doesn't seem to be uh, in, in vogue and it, i don't know whether he's been put on the sidelines he's another one of those kind of artists that i discovered um bill remington and um, i had him in that show last year that i did uh, yeah some- yeah you 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 uh shared him on facebook i think yeah, i friended yeah. him yeah he's great yeah he's uh he's another sort of uh he, he's he's kind of you know he falls into that kind of cubist right bra- i guess brock type um visionary but his work is very loose i've got one of his pieces actually i got it for a song yeah right sorry to say but um it's beautifully painted yeah. you know very loose strokes i i kind of envy that I, yeah I, me I, too i know yeah I, I i recently had the fortune when i went home to go visit back to the uh the museum in uh, port sunlight uh the lady lever gallery and i was able to stand in front of um some you know extraordinary masterworks and um you know you obviously you can't go nose to nose because there's always some twat don't get too close right 
Um, but, you know, I, I, I try and get as close as I can to see the process. And you can see the workings of the underpainting on a lot of these things, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Holman Hunt is a good, you know, I love his work, The Scapegoat. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by that since I was a kid. And um, it's extraordinary to see, you know, the economy of paint that when you stand back from it, it says so much. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, I yeah. want to be, I, I think your work's like that though, Chet. There's things I've seen of yours. Um, I don't feel I, that I, way. <laughs> I wish I was more that way. <laughs> none of us do, mate. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I always say I like what I did seven years ago. Because I, uh-huh. I, 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 I fucking hate what I'm doing right now. I always think, why aren't I painting like I did seven I years know. ago? I know. I, I've, I've been thinking, you know, especially after the last show I did, um, the villain show, which I was happy with. I'm always happy with the stuff I do. But then yeah. I, I still, I was after that show, I was looking. I was like, man, I want to go back to 2005, 2006, where I was really using these real, really kind of earth tones, more... Um, uh, uh, like old masters, very earthy and lots of browns and ochres and 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 underpainting showing through, not painting so much of it, you know, a little more atmospheric. And, uh, you know, I keep going back to that. I keep it's, it's like I feel like that's my that was kind of like my I didn't know what the fuck I was doing back then. Either, yeah, which is yeah. crazy. It's, it's your default. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's weird. trying to unlearn. Bad yep. habits, I guess. Yeah, right. You know, I, I think as we go on, you know, and one of the things that's really hard to do in the studio is to keep out um, influences. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, as you kind of develop as an artist, one of the things that you do, I think, is is you you have a tendency to mistrust your own voice. Right. By virtue of things like you know rejection, by virtue of um, your place where you see it geographically in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, you you know, the tendency is to listen to those voices over the instinctive ones. Right. Um, well, plus the more you, the, the more you get, the more technical knowledge you gain, the more you have to almost fight it's 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 almost like the the technical it's it's a weird thing because like the technical knowledge the more you know the less spontaneous you become in a way you know yeah you, the more you yeah. know the more you're like th- when this thing should be second nature right really, right at this point you know if you've been riding the bike for that long you know you shouldn't have to take off the you haven't you shouldn't have right. to put on the saddle every time you do you know right, it's, right. It's, um, yeah I. There's kind of a freedom in not knowing what you're doing in a way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And at at the beginning as well, the arena's smaller. I think the bigger the the arena gets, the lot, you know, and that's the worst thing you can do, of course, is let the audience. Right. Or, or you know, or anyone, the gallery into the studio and be mindful of that, you know. Right. Um, You know, I, I um, I think for a lot of us, um, starting out, we, 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 we have like, in essence, a, a sense, that sense of play you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it never becomes a burden if you love it, if you're in lo- truly in love with it. Hopefully it never becomes a burden if you're doing it correctly. Right. Um, but it is easy, you know, particularly if you're working. You know, one of the things I, I, I set myself a remit for last, I think it was last year or the year before, was not to say yes to so many shows. Right, same here. Yep. Um, you know, because at the beginning you'll say fucking yes to anything. Right. Well, and, and that's kind of what you're supposed to do because you're establishing you're yourself. But in that is a dilution of mm. message. And a lot of the times it feels like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Oh, yeah. Especially the, theme, the theme shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think last year I kind of said, you know, I, I, I'm only going to sort of concentrate now on, 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 on the, the, the forward vision in the sense that, you know, I'm not – it might be um, not be conducive to making money, certainly, hmm. if if I'm not as prolific. But I feel the need that I need to be saying, if I, at the age of fifty-one, saying things more importantly and with stealth, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being so prolific that I'm just firing off in so many directions right. that it's just not making a lot of sense, and also um, tainting the well, you know. Well, and also killing yourself. Because yes. that's the other thing is like I can't oh, I can't yeah. keep the pace up any I mean I just a when you yeah, get older it's just like you can't work that hard you know I almost yeah. killed myself for like the last couple of years were just like fuck this there's no way this is yeah too hard it shouldn't be this hard I'm working yeah. too hard you know so yeah and it's not and considering it's not supposed to be a real job as well right right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I never worked harder in my life yeah. it's like. <laughs> Everyone was like, everyone's yeah. like, yeah, you probably, I, I, when I tell them I left the film industry, yeah, it's probably all those long hours, right? And I was like, well, actually, I work twice as many hours now. You know, I, I pretty much was a nine to fiver in effects. Um, so, uh, except for occasion, occasionally here and there. But, um, man, I'm like, you know, you got to work all the time, especially, you know, my all my income, you know, I'm supporting the whole of course. You know, so it's like yeah. it's it's all got to make money, but um I I've got I've got it to a point now where you know th- my money isn't um dependent on painting originals. It's mostly from um merchandise and prints and stuff like that. So oh, paint oh, yeah. yeah, painting new stuff, you know, I I never, I never think of a new painting as um I got a unless it's a study. Those cause, but those are like little you know, quick money makers just sort right. of messing around. But when I paint a painting nowadays, it's not like I'm painting it because I got to pay the mortgage. It's more like, you know, I've, I've got this machine going, which is kind of cool where, you know, that's kind of keeping money going in. And it's more like, oh, I got to, I got to paint some, I got to paint a few studies. I got this bill coming up or I got to do a new print release. So the infrastructure is all there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's without that kind of production line mentality that you can get as well, right. which is nice. And I think with yourself as well, certainly you've got like I think enough of a support system that rallies around you now. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely yeah. fortunate in that um, way. I, I'm kind of I'm really fortunate. You know, I have a small coterie mm-hmm. of, of of followers that you know uh, I can kind of rely on to turn to. You know in any time of hardship whereby you know if i'm i can either sell something or churn something out right. and there'll always be somebody there that it will appeal to mm-hmm. um 
you know, and it's, I'm really fortunate and I'm really quite lucky. Um, when I say that, you know, I've, I've been, I mean, we've, I, I think t- I met you around about, I want to say, was it at the Hive? 2010 or something? Could 2000. Be. Yeah, my memory. No, yeah. I remember you were like this, because I was a little, because I, I knew of your name before I, I was anybody. I mean, but you were like this kind of, Hagrid type figure in the corner. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> not the first scowling, time I've been called that. Scowling Harry Potter Hagrid type figure sort of. But I, you know what? I think the time, the first time we actually met properly, chat was at Ulrich's Christopher Ulrich's um, Chronicator thing. Oh, that's, okay. That's right. And it, but I, I do remember now because I was there. And you know we're surrounded by these vast, oh my god, you know like yeah. this fucking cathedral of like, um, of work. And and there you are, and you kind of turned to me, and you said, I, I think I, I, I must have had my phone or something. You said, Oh, can I see something that you've done? And I said, <laughs> I, I've never felt more intimidated to take my trousers off in my life because they're are <laughs> asking me to show me a picture on my phone. In the midst of like a Christopher Ulrich show, I was like, <laughs> talk about shriveling in the cold. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I was like, oh shit, this is great. I know your stuff. No, 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 you were very, um, very kind. No, I, I mean, it was, uh, but I think we going on like over a decade now, you know, it, right. it, it certainly hasn't, um, it's gotten a little more. I would say the wheels a little. Um, I've been oiled a little bit, right? Uh, but certainly the hours have gotten longer. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you uh, for because there's a lot of people that are are painters um, who listen to this show. Uh, take us through your process. I mean, when you are like, I'm going to start a new painting. How do you do it? I mean, for me, it's it's sketch. You know, I, I get a basic idea, I do sketches, I do studies, and then I paint the thing. Um, I mean, what's your what's your process? Well, I usually it starts with a very, um, I, you know, and I want to say it sounds very kind of like existentially wank filled, but it's all right. <laughs> it's it's you know, it usually starts with some kind of like internal crisis hmm. or a need to say something. I mean. You know, right now, uh, as barren as it feels out there, we're as dark artists. It's pretty fertile ground, right? Right, right. Um, You know, there's no better (laughs) time than the end times. (laughs) Um, But you know, I think for myself, it usually starts with a fundamental need to say something Mm -hmm. that is tangible, and as because I've been doing this for so long now, I've kind of accrued a set of props and a set of characters. I want to say mm-hmm. um, that because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a stylist yet. I don't think I'm somebody whose work, although people say that they can see that my work is recognizably my own. I think Definitely. what my strength generally is is in using. Um, a, a, a series of questions and they're not really any more deep than, you know, the very kind of um, 
mortal questions of, you know, why am I here? Mm -hmm. Um, why am I here? What have I, you know, what is my purpose? How long have I got? Um, they, they kind of boil down to that very basic tenet of, of questioning our own existence. Mm -hmm. Um, I just frame them in different ways every time I approach it. So do you, um, I mean, are you think, do you have the thought, like, I want to communicate this idea. How do I do that? Certainly with this. Yeah. And I, I want to say that, you know, I, I mean, a lot of it is self cannibalization in this. So, so like, for instance, uh, the series I'm working on right now, uh, Paradiso's Fall, um, it started as, and I, I have to give, again, I have to give Christopher Ulrich credit or blame for this one. Um, I'd done a series in 2012 called Purgatorium, mm -hmm. and it was going to be my last blast. You know, I, I'm quite, you know, artists are quite melodramatic, and I can be quite melodramatic, and I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I kind of adopted this idea of 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 this Prospero type figure in the Tempest, mm -hmm. and because of my name, the Van Gogh mantle, I felt always in the shadow of the Godfather of modern art, and I thought, you know, fuck it, this is going to be my final outing. I'm going to like Prospero did at the end snap his wand over his knee and call it quits you know you're gonna go quit on. painting i was going to quit really I, I intended entirely i'd been doing it for like i mean i've been doing it since 2000 and it right. was around about 2012 so i mean it wasn't a long time but it was long enough for me to what think what was the reason well i just didn't see it as a viable way of I mean, there was a lot of reasons in it, but one of the reasons ultimately was that it wasn't making me a living. Right. And I was frustrated by my, I want to say, and it sounds quite insipid, but my lack of, of, of place as my, my sort of, I felt like I existed in an exclusion zone. And I think mm. partially that is self-imposed because of what it is that I do. But it's also geographically imposed in the respects that, you know, there is this kind of divide between what happens in LA and what happens outside of LA. Right. And certainly with San Diego, which is, you know, is I always consider San Diego like this Fabergé egg. It's beautiful on the outside, mm -hmm. but it's hollow on the inside. Mm -hmm. And um, so there wasn't any kind of like place for me. So I decided, you know, after the Manson series, I'd just done this series that I wasn't going to like continue this, that I was going to go and, you know, I wasn't at least going to pursue it in a manner whereby I thought of it as a career. What were you going to do though? <laughs> what were well, you going to do with yourself? Good, good question. <laughs> um, shake my fist at the way I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, I, I go into these things I mean, I give up every, I fucking Elche, I've been giving up every three weeks. Yeah. You know, I, I've been on the cusp for that forever. You know, fuck this, I'm done. Right. Um, but I think at that time, at that level, I decided, you know, I, I, I think I, I've said everything I want to say and right. I was going to do that. And so I had my show and and it was all good and all that. And it, I think it got one review off Lisa Derrick, by the way. Huh. And uh, I got one review for the show, and it was a good review. 
But it kind of, it was a bash and it kind of didn't do the business. Right. And I'd done this thing with um, John Borowski. Oh, yeah. Mm. Where he'd done this documentary called uh, Serial Killer Culture. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. And I'd completely forgotten about it. I, I, it was my kind of like little sort of, because um, when I first came to L.A., I, I, my first thing, it's like England, you know, you go on a tourist trip to England. It's like, show me where all the bodies were buried. Right. So when I went to LA, it was like, show me Cielo Drive. Right. You know, <laughs> show me the Manson sites. So it was kind of my homage to, you know, the Sharon Tate figure, you know, the beautiful dead muse. Right. And kind of like my nod and a wing to the whole Beatles white album. And, right a fascination with kind of like conspiracy and all that kind of shit. But anyway, somewhere around that, um, I, I'd done, I, I'd, I'd done the show Pegatorium and it hit Netflix. Right. And out of that, I started to get people writing me and buying shit and interest. Yeah, cool. Was doing. So it kind of forced me to look at it and go, you know, there is an art, there is a, 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 a facet of society that is interested in this shit. There is a portion of people who do get me, right. who do like what I do. Um, so I, I kind of did. And then, so then I was, you know, I, I would have these late night conversations with Christopher and he was like, what are you doing? What are you going to do next, man? You know? And I was like, you know, I don't really know what my next kind of thing is. And he said, well, you should do the whole Dante route. You should, you know, Dante Aguilari and, and go down the whole kind of like, well, you've done purgatory. You should do he- uh, heaven and hell. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. And so I kind of sat on that for a couple of years, and I decided that I would take Milton's Paradise Lost. And there was a line in Milton where he says, you know, the mind in its own place can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. And it really struck a chord with me. And so that's been kind of the process for this series in the sense that, you know, Presented with an Eden, we have this predisposition as artists and as humans to want to recapitulate what it is that we see and remake it and recast it in our own image. And of course, our own image is always going to be, you know, every bit as um, corrupt as we are. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, you know, uh, if you think of us in terms of, 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 of being remade, in the in the cast in the recast as 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 God as you were, um, you know we're, we're every bit as as um, as malevolent as an entity as that can be. You know we're capricious. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 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 you know we're revengeful. Um, you know so it, it has that kind of like element to it. So the, the process has been kind of imbued by that. So it, it can be a literally th- a literary thing, or it can be as simple as like you know, a descending melody line in a song, mm-hmm. or it can be standing on the edge of a lake and that sense of, of melancholy that you get, you know, where you feel the need to, I've got to say something about this. Right. That's, that's always kind of like this, this sort of my fallback position on what it is of how my process begins. So I'll start with, you know, a bunch of sketches having kind of read something up mm-hmm. and I'll develop them along until I'm happy. And then, you know, the boring bit starts, which is the actual painting of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the product part of it. And I say it's boring. It isn't. 
uh, it's just, you know, a lot of fighting. Like, yeah, said. it's just a lot of work. Yeah. You know, it's a ditch digging. Who's that? I think Wayne White was, uh, was, uh, no, hold up. No, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. It's, it's in there. It's not in here. Sorry, it's my wife. Um, what? Uh, Wayne White. Did you ever see that Beauty's Embarrassing documentary? No, I have Oh, you got to see it. It's so great. It's fucking right. great. Um, one right. of my favorite art documentaries, but he calls it ditch digging, you know, which oh, is all okay. just the painting process. Um, so I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I, I just, I, on the plane over, actually, I, I did watch a documentary. I really should not because, you know, I was delirious from feeling sick. And having been in the air for 18 hours, but I watched um, an art documentary called The Price of Everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen which that. It's about the conning contemporary, you know. It's dreadful stuff, you know, Jeff, Jeff Coons pontificating oh, about. Oh, you know, my God. Yeah, that his, made me want His huge him. money and everything. But um, yeah. I, I I probably should uh, I probably should have you got ditched. you got to see that yeah you know I, one thing I wanted to say you're talking about you know you kind of came to this point where it wasn't financially working for you and I've been to that point I've been to that point a few times like even though you know I've got um I'm I'm pretty successful for an artist you know um I'm not you know I'm paycheck to paycheck no. guy but still no. I'm yeah. not. Uh, I'm, I'm able to make a living at it, but I still, I've, I've been to that point where I'm like, this is too hard. It's too much work. Fuck this shit. This isn't worth it. You know, I'm, I'm all about hard work, but this is too, past the point. I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm working too hard. <laughs> so I've been there, but I never get, it's never gotten past that point for me. Like I always sort of come to my senses within a day or so I'll never get to the, I never, I've never got to the point where I'm like, I'm planning this final show. Fuck this shit. Um, <laughs> but part of, you know, part of that is the alternative is I have to go back to makeup effects and I definitely right. don't want to do that. So that kind of yes. keeps me in check in that way. But, um, I, I feel like, you know, you're, you're, um, that the place that maybe you were at where you were feeling like financially it wasn't working enough for well enough for you was really a marketing thing, as simple as that. Um, I don't know, you probably weren't feeling that, but, um, it, it was, it's a, it was a matter, I feel like it's a matter, and, and, and you know what? The Netflix show just kind of proves my point. It's right. a matter of getting your work out there because it's not like your work wasn't good enough because your work's amazing. You got something really unique and cool to offer. And um, so it's like everything is in place except maybe a marketing plan or getting your work out there more. Yeah. That's simple though. And it's like to to quit your career because of that is like, I want to grab you by the, by the lapels and shake you. (laughs) No, I want to cry. And I did quite often grab myself by the lapels. If I didn't, my wife would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and I, I I think, you know, it, it, like I say, it's, it it sounds very melodramatic and it probably, I know the feeling though, man. But, but, you know, I, I think out of that, you know, if you think of art as, as, you know, Oh, okay. So it's, it's, I, I understand now looking back, um, you know, art is our most Promethean grasp for grandiloquence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a good, it's a great parable of our endeavor and our endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be the deepest measure of our aspiration. Right. But it's also, it's 
a measure of our fears. And I think at times it's easy, it's far too easy, particularly when you're in, because this is a solitary exposition. I mean, you know, a lot of our time is spent on our own. I mean, I, I often say that if I was to go and take a moment out to meet myself and have a drink, I would probably make excuses and leave through the bathroom window. <laughs> it's not it's a lot of the kind of like conversations that you have with yourself. That's not true though. You're, uh, I, I like, I like, so I like you. I like you right away. You're not like that at all. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the conversations that you have with yourself are circular. Right. And yeah, yeah. So very detrimental. You know I mean? You're giving license to a part of yourself you know, I mean, the thing is that Milton said, and I love that about Milton, is that he said, you know, that which is dark within you, illuminate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you are, you, you're you giving license to the darkest parts of yourself, your fears. Mm-hmm. And here's the caveat to that, which is what I like about it now. And I, it's only in retrospect and with sort of like the virtue of time that I'm able to say that. But, you know, if it can be the deepest measure of our fears, um. Because without understanding our fears, we can't defeat them. If we don't, if if we don't listen to them and 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 explore them in some way and utilize them, um, we can never attain the grace right. of our self enlightenment. So in a way, absolutely, it's, it's it's a useful it's a useful model. Well, that's um, how they, I mean that that's when they have power over you when there are these unacknowledged things uh you know this this darkness that is goes unacknowledged and ignored that's when they're dangerous right and when when they're explored and exposed that's when they're like oh it's we can deal with this now yeah you know what i mean it it almost becomes um you know you you almost like creating a sort of a tulper of yourself to destroy right right I, i or uh or or you know it becomes like that thing where it's the psychiatrist couch you know, and, and you're kind of venting spleen mm-hmm. uh, and you, you leave the therapy room feeling a whole lot better. Right. You know, art becomes that kind of um, that sort of portion of yourself that you can create and define mm-hmm. and hang it on the wall. Like, right. Like so much viscera and, and just let other people kind of. And that's the other thing I like about it is that, you know, when you're done with it, you can kind of forget it and then other people can relate to it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and get something from one of the best things that ever happened to me. I remember was, was, uh, I was at a, uh, a weekend, uh, where I was at a convention and I hadn't sold anything all weekend. Mm. And it, cause it was a very kind of one of those wasn't like monster Palooza. It was a very pedestrian type, uh, Renaissance type thing. Right. Uh, my, which my stuff stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah. No. yeah. I've been there many times. Yeah. <laughs> But this woman came over and, uh, and and she asked me to explain a piece that I'd done. And she started bawling her fucking eyes out. Ah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I was like, oh, I thought I defended her. I had <laughs> of like, I'd said something so uproariously terrible that I just, you know. And she said, oh, no, you don't understand. The piece that you explained is exactly where I am in my life right now. 
Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and but and but I was like, you know what? This is better than pieces of gold for me. Like right. this is a like a manna from heaven. I'm done for the weekend. Right. <laughs> you know, fucking, I mean, she bought it, which was lovely. Wow. And uh, but in yeah, regards, when, art, when your artwork touches someone that way, nothing can beat that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The money is icing on the cake at that point when they buy oh, it. Well, yeah. You know. So yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 take our um, we, we we take the things that we can get where we can get them, right? You know. Yeah, it's you know, it's you know, like Ulrich says, it's alchemy. It really it is, is. You know, you're taking you're taking the shit, you're taking the uh, the negredo, and you're processing it, and you're. Turning, turning the shit, the, the, sh- the darkness inside of ourselves into gold, and then you're sharing with people. It's like there's, there's no greater act of magic in a way than to transform your own darkness into something positive and beautiful and share it with people and have it touch them in that way. I mean, that's it's a weird magical thing. It really is like magic. Yeah, it's crazy. You're, yeah, you're, again, you're taking you know the most sort of and if you're doing it properly, right? That's, that's sort of my, soul is a, my soul is a bowl of fruit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like sausages, isn't it? It's, it's, and I know that's hell speaking to a vegetarian. Right. <laughs> but you're taking the awful and you're you're kind of making yeah, links. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Make it into delicious sausage. <laughs> Hey, I used to love sausage. Yeah. I was the biggest meat eater when I ate meat. Oh, man, I loved oh, all the shittiest okay. meat there was. Yeah. Bacon, all of it. Yeah, you look like a carnivore, chat. Ah, I was, you know. Yeah. I, I was. I was. I was all that bloodletting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just was raised in the 70s with, like, crappy processed meat products, you know. Yeah, so I grew you, up on that you, stuff. You you've been over to the UK, right? Have you, yeah, said- yeah. I had a show a show there in London. That was oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I really felt like a. Uh, yeah, we stayed in um, Whitechapel. Oh wow, where yeah. the Ripper was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we saw. I mean, and we stayed at the gallery that was there they, at night, and it was pretty shady there. There was like. A knife well, fight. Uh, we, we saw a knife fight right out in front of, like, 10 feet away from us. These two homeless, or I don't know if they were homeless, but, like, drug addicts fighting with a knife. And then there was this crazy, uh, like, a cracked out tweaker lady that was going through the trash. She was, like, a prostitute. Really scary looking. And and then in the middle of the night, there was <clears throat> someone. I think that was my auntie. <laughs> there was someone banging on the door. Really loud because they yeah. put down. I mean, if, if there was a fire in there, it would have been dead because it was like the big, they put the big uh, metal. Oh, yes, of course. You yeah. Know, to keep us, we were safe from anyone coming in. But if there was a fire in there, it probably would have been dead. But um, yeah, it was, there was weird stuff that happened there too, man. There was banging. Someone came in the middle of the night, banging on the door. And then we like opened the door and nobody was there. And there was weird shit going on. I swear there was like, a ghost or something in that place it was freaky because my friend who was with me had this had this uh dream that there was this hand coming out of the wall and and when he woke up he saw this figure walk by it was just freaky it was it was cool though (laughs) i mean it was great it was like jack the ripper land and but um i really felt like a, a a connection with that that with that part of the world you know i'm sure it's like a genetic kind of thing maybe but 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's rare. I, you know, I mean, the I don't know that there is a. Uh, I mean, there's a number of couple of dark artists I know maybe practicing Martin Woodhead. I think his name is. Uh, in we, London. Oh, w- w- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, but yeah. I, I don't know that many sort of. Well, that uh, that was the only gallery at the time. Yeah. It's since closed, so um, yeah. you know, they, there's it's so weird out in Europe. There's no dark art scene. Right. It's so it's weird, odd. and you'd it's, think that you know, it, it's quite sniffy though, and I find that it's it's unfortunate because, and I mean that's why it's so wonderful. Like, you know, I, I I mean they call it lowbrow, don't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always kind of like rubs me up the wrong way, but. Um, you know, Gustav Dorr was lowbrow. I, you know, um, right, right. But um, yeah, I. It's it's strange the the sort of the kind of perception over there because you know there isn't that exponent. You know, you think about some of the great masters like um, you know um, the heritage of artists like William Blake mm-hmm. or Austin Osman Spare. Right. Right. Or um, you know the, the like I say, just Gustav uh, Gustav Dorr, um, the Romantics, uh, Francis Bacon. I saw you right, first. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I oh, it, sadly, you know, it doesn't seem to be like it, it's been kind of replaced and disavowed by this very kind of contemporary. Um, insular hollow way of thinking you know you're gonna end up with like fucking shopping carts in um right formaldehyde yeah 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 there's no sort of like sense of uh of darkness there you know you think about someone like bacon um who was possibly the last bastion of that kind of realm of 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 dark art oh yeah yeah Um, yeah in in the you know that it's it's kind of become a catch-all now, um, you know, where you've got people like Damien Hirst, Tracy Emin, mm-hmm. take up a you know a large proportion of of the sort of uh, the column space. Right. When really, you know, um, if you think of the way the world is is right now, it, it like I say, it's fertile ground for dark art. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I just did a show, uh, um, this guy, Mark uh, Boringer, who's a collector in Switzerland, and he did a, a small show of mine because he wanted to be like the first person to show me in Switzerland. And he said that even in Switzerland, they don't they they, they don't give uh, Giger any, he's like nothing to them. It's like you, the greatest, one of the greatest fucking artists in the, the history of art, as far as I'm concerned, and you guys don't even treat him with any kind of respect you know he's still like this marginalized figure i mean what is up with that it makes no sense to me but i think the question though i think it falls largely and squarely on that thing that people aren't comfortable with being challenged but it seems like europe is so much more liberal than the states it doesn't make sense to me it seems like that those would be the people that would be open to it but it's like Flemish artists you know I mean there's a whole kind of tradition of uh, Thanatos and Eros over you know the whole uh, you know death and the maiden right yeah 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 it is odd it is really strange and LA is you know and LA is just the epicenter of it it's the dark heart of of the dark art movement yeah it's crazy (laughs) just I don't know it doesn't make sense yeah, I don't know. It's like that thing Poe said, you know, about the boundaries between life and death. 
are, you know, they're, at best they're shadowy and vague. Right. Who should say where one ends and one begins, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I think it's a little like that whereby, you know, we're kind of marginalized as being in this this kind of very shadowy underworld where, you know, where I, I would say that, no, I, you know, now I think I, I do see kernels of, of, of particularly through Instagram where like artists are being getting more kind of exposure but we're right. still see kind of not accepted um yeah you know, I, I think it falls down to where, where where you know people feel about it's 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 it it's discomforting in some way it reminds them of their own mortality right um yeah you know, but at the same time you know i really feel like um I, I've been thinking about this lately because dark art is, you know, it's at this point I've seen people, you know, when I first started doing this, there was no market for dark art. It was like, I was the freak, the weirdo, you know, showing in the pop surrealism scene. And, um, and as this movement has begun to take hold, I see people now artists that are not really dark artists that like, want to come and join our little thing yeah and it's like and i feel kind of weird because i never wanted this to be like an exclusionary thing i was just trying to build you know help build this thing that was already happening just kind of help like galvanize the thing that was already happening just to support each other because no one else is supporting us so the last thing i want it to be is like this little click of exclu- right, cool. you know we're yeah. the cool guys i i don't like that idea at all we know? all the same and we all have the co- club card membership yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't yeah. like that idea so it's it's and it's it's inevitably kind of gonna go that way when when it becomes like a i mean when it becomes when it finally gets this kind of mainstream acceptance which i believe that it will to a certain degree it's gonna be like and I think it's kind of becoming almost like a little click. And I'm not even sure. I'm not sure how we deal with that because it's just weird. You know, you 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 band together because no one else gives a shit about you. And then your thing right. starts getting popular. And then it's like, oh, okay. Now we're like the thing that is is not letting these people in. Like the people didn't used to let us into the pop surrealism scene in a way, you know? I think the interesting thing about that could be that, you know, with any movement and if it is going to be a movement, I mean, if, if there's going to be an ism to it, you know, that almost always inevitably what happens is you get these little offshoots. Right. If you, if you think about, you know, things like Dada, mm-hmm. um, you know, Marcel Duchamp's Dada, you know, the offshoot of that with things like cubism, right. formism, surrealism, um, you know, so you de- inevitably get, you know, s- members who become, you know, angry and pissed off enough right. to start their own little thing. Right. But I, I think for the, the purposes of what you're doing, you know, and I've got to say it, it's hugely noble of you to take the mantle of that chat, you know, because okay. you really don't. I mean, this is the thing is that, you know, I think it's it, it, it's it's very gracious, um, awesome thing to do in the sense that, you know, there was no one else fucking prepared to do it. Um, right. well, that's what I know, felt kind of like. Yeah, we, we just all kind of, <laughs> we would all see each other at the same show. Right. <laughs> I was like, somebody's got to do this. <laughs> we fucking moan about our lot. Right. <laughs> but somewhere in that, you know, you were like, right, 
let's let's go do something. You know, and and of course that you you know the I mean go anyone who hasn't seen it, go see Chet Zars. I like to paint monsters because oh, it's um, you. you know I can't I, I can't expound enough on how um, how how fundamentally um, illuminating um, and a sense of community that gives oh, at thanks. the end there, you know, where you, you're talking about um, the, the movement itself being empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, I got something in my eye. I yeah. got like... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. That's so nice of you to say. By that, I mean that, you know, I, I think for the time being, I think it's enough just to get it accepted. Mm-hmm. I think we're still at that very... Um, gray area stage where it hasn't been resolutely embraced right. by the stream for you to worry about whether or not it's a click. Right. Um, yeah. You know, when we're all marching down Main Street with tiki torches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's one we of those. worry, but, you know, for the time being, I think, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm looking forward to getting a little, laminate cards right <laughs> I, I i i get you know i guess it's uh you know the, the whole thing for me has been to just follow this thing and see where it goes there's no great plan other than you know it, it's like i felt like if I, i've been i've been able to see about like you know three steps ahead and that's and i've been just been following the, the, the light three steps ahead of me and so that's just what i've been doing because i don't know where this is gonna going to end up and it, and it you know it, it just kind of happened it seemed like uh this it just seemed like the right thing to do and that's yeah. pretty much it and so i'm like okay i'm going to follow this thing and see where it goes but you know uh, coming from this punk punk rock kind of background and seeing what happened to the punk scene and how it became conservative and you know it's like the the punk i was into was like of Minutemen and all these cool bands that were doing there. It was all about doing your own thing and not sounding like yeah. everybody else. And then it became punk became like punk. You had to follow these punk rules and dress this way. And it's like, that's not what punk was to me at all, you know? And so I'm always like, well, you know, I guess just a little worried, but uh, it's going to go the way it's going to go. Uh, I think uh, everything becomes a little carpet slip, is it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always at you know Johnny Rotten selling fucking butter now. Right. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's an inevitability as a part of you know the exercise of getting older. Right. But I mean, you know, I think you're still pretty. I mean, fifty. What is it? Blimey, fifty-one. I, I, you know, I'm not quite ready for like pipe and slippers yet. Right. I, I, you know, no, you're not. No. And you're still pretty punk rock, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I don't, I don't think oh. I think art, the cachet of art is always cool, right? Right, yeah. It never That's goes true, out yeah. of style, you know. You, 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 it never gets crusty. Right, yeah. You know, um, you know. So, I mean, look, Goya was still, I mean, he was syphilitic in death. Right, yeah, yeah. All the shit he did was yeah. at the end of his life, those right. black paintings. Yeah. You know, I mean, I look at those and I think, fuck, I, you know, I can't. I, I can't wait to be 80 if right. that's what you know? so, uh, my dad told me um my stepdad he, he told me that he didn't feel like he really knew what he was doing painting wise until he was 50 and he started right. painting when he was like 20 so 
you know, we're kind of like at our prime right now in a way, I think. Yeah. I, they call us, I, I had somebody call me a mid-level, a mid, what is it now, mid-career, which is an odd, an odd yeah. way to, like, uh, I, I mean, and I, I look forward to sort of like posthumous career, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, hopefully by then I will have sold something. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, well, that, that, again, this brings me back to this that marketing thing I was saying. Yeah, it's like I, I that's why I'm always, you know, if you look on the po- on the po- old podcast, it's I'm yeah. I'm always pushing the, the marketing thing because for one thing, um, most artists generally tend not to be great at it, and it's and it really is just a, a set of uh, tool skills that you have to learn. It's not that. If you can learn to oil paint, you can learn to promote yourself and market. Oh, oil painting yeah. is way harder. So if you can, you know, if you can do that. So, 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 um, but that's why I'm, you know, that's part of what I want to do with this dark art society movement thing is really to help empower people to, to, to learn how to promote for themselves. And because, you know, um, I, I've taken a lot of um, clues from people like Gabe Leonard who's really yes. great at art business. He's a great painter, but he's also great at business. And he comes from this kind of commercial gallery background. And he's got this great great attitude about business to where it's like, you know, don't be afraid of making money. Don't be af- afraid of promoting yourself. You got it. This is what, you know, embrace it. It's the way of the world. This is what you got to do if you're going to survive. This whole myth of the starving artist and, and oh, yeah. you know, yeah, you can't... Yeah, it's honor in the garret, right? Yeah, and, yeah exactly. It's, it's yeah. so... Uh, I just think it's, you know, and and you're a great example. Like you said, you know, you, you started getting um, um, uh, some recognition from the Netflix special and it kind yes. of changed things yeah. for you. And it just kind of shows that what happens when what 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 did that do? It showed your artwork to a lot of people. That's all that happened. And it and it kind yeah. of changed things a little bit for you. I, I, I did. I as a sort of a, a caveat to that, I did have to get a restraining order on. Some. No. Here's a funny thing. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you do a series entirely based on a serial killer. <laughs> no way. What happened? I got to hear this. It kind of follows. Oh, well, somebody started sending photographs of themselves with their gun collection. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, shirtless pictures of themselves with, you know, Bowie knives in their mouth. And I mean, oh, know, weird. Oh it follows. God. Yeah. It, I mean, you just just as a, a kind of warning, you know, right. if you're going to do this dark art thing, you know. There is an element. There, there is, is definitely element. an element of people that kind of don't get it, but they're still attracted to it. I've I've had a I few. I think they, he got it a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they. I think I would say they don't quite get where yeah. we're coming from, maybe. Yeah. And maybe it's like a Tropic Thunder thing, you know. But you know, don't go. F- yeah. Full, don't go full dark on. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple people. I've noticed that. I've had a couple people that were seriously like. Um, I know there's been more than one. I could think of one right now that was like probably schizophrenic or or some mental mentally ill that was te- sending me messages and telling me that I have to tell the world this message and they have these you know they have to, they have to tell me the message they have to meet with me in person to tell me the message so I could tell the world because it was going to save the world. 
And so, but I think that's, that's any, any kind of celebrity that nowadays, if you get any, any kind of recognition, you're going to, there's going to be someone. Yeah. I think you know, to that. Yeah. I mean, Jay- bit, you are a bit of a guru though, Chet. Like you, you've become like this kind I, t- you know, I had a dream about you, you know, I remember uh-huh. that. <laughs> you, 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 so you were like, you were like this sort of, messianic figure you you had you had a house in the clouds <laughs> over manhattan right and, uh, and, and but you you had a studio which overlooked and um and it's really funny because i went into your studio and you know i'm looking at you right now uh-huh. and i i'm not going to reveal to the viewer um Chet Studio. <laughs> this is my office. I t- actually I took a screen grab because I do oh, I do show you? screen captures and my little pictures in the corner. There's yeah, people I think this is why I got my camera pointed upwards and not downwards. Yeah. <laughs> I know you. It looks nice. You can't see the sort of ongoing detritus of like shambles. I put the bollock in shambolic. <laughs> no, but you you were in you were in a your your ivory tower of fucking Manhattan, but you're still studio was pristine you only yeah. had it oh. that's definitely and I, a dream <laughs> yeah. and you had a pair of like do you call them dungarees or bib and brace what? it's like it's like the the, the sort of um, overalls overalls, overalls yes, yeah yes yeah you had a pair of those on and, <laughs> and they, were, they were tied at the bottom with string around the pant leg uh-huh. and you undid the string and all of these beetles and centipedes. No way. That's so cool. All came crawling out of your pant legs. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's I can't great. I remember what happened next, but yeah. Man. I, I was like, I, I'll have to remember to tell Chet that because it's a, it's a funny state. Yeah. That's weird. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be looking down at your shoes every time I see, you know. <laughs> And now I'm gonna have to get. I'll be like, "What's he got up his leg?" <laughs> I'm gonna get a bunch of rubber centipedes and cockroaches <laughs> just to fuck with you next time I see you. I have holes in my pockets, so I'll like open them up. Let them... <laughs> oh, that's not gold, right? <laughs> I don't want to know what you got in your pocket, <laughs> especially if there's a hole there. Right, that's not. Also, if it's money, if it's money, I lost it. Right. <laughs> Well, shit, we're going on like one hour, 40 minutes. Wow, uh, let's travel. Yeah, let's yeah. What a, what a fun conversation, man. Yeah, brilliant. Really Thank you. Great to talk to you, and I appreciate you coming on. I love your work. I love Thank what you. you're doing. Um, I want to, you know, I want to see you continue to do well, and 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 I'm glad you didn't quit. Thank God. Oh, yeah. you Me Because you're really, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're poised to hit the I big don't... time. I'm on the cusp, as it were. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we're all, all, all of us in this little scene are, you know, this is our time. I keep saying it. This is our time. This is when things are really starting to happen. So it's it's an exciting, God, God, yeah. exciting God, time. What's it, what is that, that thing that's saying? Um, religion is for people who are scared of hell, dark artists, for people who've been there. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good note to end on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. actually, actually, I got to say one last thing. Okay. With Nail and I. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we didn't talk about With Nail and I. No. And I never got a single um, 
quote in. Well, well, you, you said you, know, you did say vent spleen, and that's not something yeah, that, as an American that I've heard. That's the only time I ever heard it is in that movie, vent spleen. Well, I, I do have one I, I, that is very apt. Look at my tongue; it's like a yellow sock. Yeah, right. That's yeah. what you told me after it's we both got cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after we both got sick. So yeah. uh, again, here's another. If you haven't seen With Nail and I, here's another oh, person that realizes the brilliance of With Nail and I. One of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, and that lovely soliloquy at the end by Hamlet. Oh uh, yeah, you, yeah. I don't actually. I shouldn't give it away. I'm yeah, so sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it's uh, yeah, so amazing, and it was the guy's first movie, and he never yes. made a movie before. And he and yes. he and he told yeah. the crew, "I've never yeah. made a movie before, so I'm going to rely on you guys." He was a writer, you know, and an actor. The guy who made yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's a, I, I, what it is is a is a is a lovely sort of snapshot of um, of the end of the sixties, right? And and it's um, inherent dystopia. Yeah. I love that line at the end where he says, you know. Uh, pres like presuming Ed here, the greatest right. decade, <laughs> and like presuming Ed here, we have failed to paint it black. Right. <laughs> also, lovely, lovely line. That's uh, so good. It's the whole movie's. Camberwell Cower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe we didn't. That's because we're such. I mean, I, when I found out you were a fan of it, I was like, oh, marvelous. Because. <laughs> I've been trying to get people to watch it here for years and people just look at me blankly, you know, right. but you know, it, it took me, it took me like a couple viewings, you know, at first I was like, Oh, this is cool. And I watched it again and I was like, okay, this is, you know, I, I just like the feeling of it because it really has a cool vibe. The music's great. It's just got a lot, lot going for it on a surface level. And then yeah. I kept watching it. And I, I remember at one point I was like, Holy shit. This is the most amazing movie ever. Made. It really is. It's like every line is perfect. Yeah. It's like so quotable. Maybe yeah. what we'll do is we'll have a uh, an episode on With Nail and I. I mean, you can oh, just discuss it and we'll just talk yeah. about With Nail and I the whole time. Yeah, because I, I, I think there are so many uh, incredible facets to that movie yeah. that, you know, it's eminently rewatchable. Oh, yeah. But also the performances. Oh, right? I know. They're amazing. Everybody's perfect in it. Yeah. The characters yeah. are great. Of yeah. course, he's the fucking farmer. <laughs> I must call my cat a fiend on a daily basis. <laughs> he's great too, Uncle Monty's yeah, so, so amazing. Now it's so sad. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But God, every one of his lines, just the way he, the sky is beginning to bruise. You're so move. <laughs> yeah, so move. Okay, now we're gonna start boring people because no one's yeah, gonna know, know what the hell we're talking about. Just it's go watch with Nail and I and yes. watch it. And don't wa watch it more than one time. That's all I'll, I, I'll I, say. And finally, I have to say, because Jeremy, the two Jeremys will be, if I'm remiss, in saying that my show, um, Parody oh, yeah. So yeah, Is Fall. Gonna, yeah, I was going to ask you. What's it, what's it called? What's it called? Parody So Is Fall. Okay. And uh, it, it opens on March the 9th. Okay. At the Dark Art Emporium. Excellent. That's a great gallery. So please come and see it. Yes. I'll come down now that I got a car. I finally got a car. Oh, that would be wonderful, Chad. I'd be really honored if you came. That'd yeah, be great. I'll, I'll definitely come for that. Uh, yeah, okay. looking forward to it. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I was super fun, and uh, I enjoyed talking to you anyway. So, <laughs> um, 
Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can hit us up. Uh, you can share, you can like, and you can also support our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, it's patreon.com slash Society. I also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Chetzar, where I'm showing all of my process stuff um, daily, except for the, you know, except lately since I almost died from the flu. Um, other, otherwise, I'm posting pretty much every day everything I'm doing. And uh, that's it. Uh, thank you again for for listening. Thank you again, David. Slaunch it, Chet. Thank you. Goodbye, Dark Art audience. Until next time. See you Bye-bye. later. Bye.